Browns' first preseason game couldn't have started it than if they had scripted it themselves. Uh, they gave up the field goal on their first drive and then uh, came back, but they came back with two touchdowns late or later on, one by Tyrod Taylor, one by Baker Mayfield. Thoughts on the first half, Charles? Um, run game not didn't look so good, um, but again, I'm not looking for that early on in the first preseason game. Um, what I did like, what I saw was the passing game looked very smooth, and um, it looked like they've been running Todd Haley's system for a couple of years now, um, and I think that's the impact a guy like that can have on a system. Um, it relieved some pressure off of Hugh Early, who's getting to be more of a head coach, um, and he's getting to take his hands off of things a little bit more. And a guy who I liked seeing um, get out there and get early action was David David Njoku um, out there with two early touchdowns. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of Todd Haley signing originally, but once John Dorsey got him some weapons, I became more comfortable comfortable with it because – um, Haley's offenses have always had established pros, established guys who can make plays. In Arizona, he had Carson Palmer, Larry Fitzgerald. In Pittsburgh, he had Big Ben, Antonio Brown, and Le'Veon Bell. But once John Dorsey got him those weapons, I became more uh, comfortable with Todd Haley as the offense coordinator. And like you said, Haley's got his handprint all over this offense. It's taking pressure off Hugh Jackson. Hugh can now just be the coach be the head coach, control everything else, doesn't have to worry about game planning and calling the offense and things. He can just be the head coach. And uh, Haley's a veteran. We have two veteran coordinators, him and Greg Williams. And, uh, I mean, I was very impressed with Tyrod Taylor. I mean, he's four or he's five for five and 99 yards. Um, the opening pass to Jarvis Landry, I mean, great catch by him. I'm excited to see what Jarvis is going to do for us this year. Um, and like you said, the run game hasn't been strong, but Duke Johnson has one carry. Carlos Hyde has one carry. So um, they're getting the young cat. Uh, Nick Chubb, he has 12 carries. So they're getting the young guys in there. And um, I think what also we saw was they kept, you kept hearing in the offseason or uh, training camp, the relationship Baker Mayfield and Rashard Higgins were creating. And you saw that during Baker's touchdown drive. Oh, yeah. Richard has, um, I think, was one of the big reasons why we traded Corey Coleman. Um, he has shown much improvement. And this kid, he it's not like he was a, a, not a talented guy when we drafted him, but we just weren't seeing it early on. And maybe now that there is some more consistency in the coaching where Hugh has his hands off a little bit and a guy like Todd Haley, who has his, has his hands more on the offense, Rashard Higgins can explode, um, and I think he's going to be a pretty good wide receiver three come this regular season. And this is a this is a pretty good start to say the least. Um, regarding Jarvis Landry, um, he was regarded more as a, guy, a slot possession guy when we got him, and I uh, I I've seen much more than that in him, um, fantasy wise and just regular season wise over these last few years as he's produced for um, honestly some porous Miami offenses with lackadaisical quarterback play. Um, And I really feel like, you know, in Todd Haley's offense, we're going to see a different side of Jarvis Landry where he's going to be more of an integral playmaker. And we saw that very early on as he had the 31 yard catch to start off the game. Um, so I really feel like this offense is 
go it's it's gonna look good um and potentially great by the end of the season. I'm in full agreement with you. I think also having competent veteran quarterback play is gonna help the receivers also. I mean Tyrod Tyrod Taylor, he's no Tom Brady, but I mean he's good enough. He's an above average NFL veteran quarterback who can who makes good throws and doesn't turn the ball over as you can see by his five for five performance tonight. I mean, he made a great throw on the first third of Landry. We had a tremendous throw on the touchdown to Njoku, dropping it over the linebacker. And um, I mean, I think improved quarterback play, having Todd Haley call the offense, taking that responsibility from Hugh Jackson, all that stuff right there is going to make our offense um, eons better than it has been in the last couple of years. So, and you hit the nail on the head how with um, Tyrod dropping in the nice pass to Njoku for the touchdown, Tyrod's game is accuracy. He doesn't, and like you said, he doesn't turn the ball over. He puts the ball in the right where the receiver can get it. Um, and like you said, he's no Tom Brady, but the dude went 10 and 6 with the Buffalo Bills where he had LaShawn McCoy, who is a Pro Bowl running back, but he had nobody at receiver. And he still went ten and six and put up um, pr- some pretty decent numbers as starting quarterback. So I think better a better a competent veteran quarterback is going to go a long way in this offense. But I also feel like um, with Baker, Baker's going to be able to develop in this offense too because um, a lot of Todd Haley's offense plays to a lot of the strengths of Baker Mayfield. A lot of um, uh, play action, a lot of roll out of the pocket stuff, a lot of like go down the field stuff. Haley loves to throw the ball down the field um, and get guys in the middle or, you know, get guys um, running deep routes, you know. So um, I think Baker is one that's going to very much benefit from a guy like Todd Haley as well. Yeah, and it was good to see Baker making a couple of plays on a touchdown drive um, outside the pocket and maybe got a couple first downs with his feet. Um, always good to see that. And, uh, I mean, yeah, you're right. Baker's going to be able to make plays in this uh, system. They got some some legitimate veteran targets also, and uh, you know, Jarvis Sandry and Joku's going to be. He's a second year player. Higgins is a second year player. Um, they're going to be able to help. And when Josh Gordon comes back, I mean, that offense is going to be something to see. Um, and I mean, this is just the first half of the first preseason game, so we're not crying Super Bowl yet. But I mean, it's much improved from what we've seen the last two years. Oh, yeah, completely agreed. I mean, last year, I think we went 4-0 in the preseason, and then we obviously didn't win any games. We all know that. So, um, And I'm not saying that um, the same thing's going to happen again this year, but there's definitely a different vibe about this team this year, and it it's given me more confidence in um, what this team can do in the future. And uh, – in the future and honestly in the right now, like I honestly think right from week one, we're going to be competitive. We're going to be in these games. I don't think there's going to be a game that we're not going to be out of. And with a guy like Tyrod at um, quarterback, you know, um, we're not we're not going to see what happened last year where um, Deshaun Kaiser would constantly turn the ball over in the red zone. And you know how much that can deflate a team by doing that. Oh, for sure. I mean – the confident quarterback plays is a much improvement. I'd say what else has improved in my eyes was the defense also in that first half. Um, you saw it. Uh, we got one sack. We got 
we had numerous pressures on Eli Manning and uh, Davis Webb, but we had one sack out of Michael Kendricks. Um, and it looks like the secondary is already starting to pay dividends as they were breaking up passes, uh, covering guys downfield where, you know, they had to check the ball down short. We were able to tackle them to get off the field. So the defense already, Greg Williams' defense is already looks leaps better in the secondary than it was last year. Uh, and you, you've mentioned the secondary. How about my man, Denzel Ward from the Ohio State, laying the wood on a guy early. He did draw a taunting penalty, but, you know, I, I knew this kid was going to be great when we drafted him, and that's why I was excited when we drafted him because he's not he's not just a lockdown corner. He may be five foot eleven, but the dude can hit with the best of them. So you're getting a guy who can not only cover your receiver, he can also hit hit your receiver hard and make you wish that you didn't catch that ball. Yeah, he's he played well in that first uh, first drive, first half, and um, you know that he's right. He didn't draw the tiny penalty, but hey, that's about time. Let's get a little swagger in that secondary and play a little bit, maybe lock some people down. So Miles Garrett, M- Michael Kendricks. Uh, Jamie Collins, those guys up front, Kirksey up front can wreak some havoc in the uh, offense's backfield for our defense. Oh, yeah, definitely. And you know what? I think what the defense is doing is they're um, mirroring their defensive coordinator with Greg Williams where he wants them to be aggressive and he wants them to hit hard and hit fast. And he's doing exactly that out there. They're doing exactly that out there. Um, And it's nice and refreshing to see um, out of this team, and it makes me think that they're going to be a very competitive team um, the entire yeah. season. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be competitive games for 16 weeks. Um, they won't be out of games at all. We'll be able to compete with everyone. We'll have a chance to win every game. Um, defensively, last year we were one of the top teams against the run, and this year it looks like we're going to have a little bit better pass defense, so the front guys can wreak some havoc on the quarterback, and they, we've already – beat the offense in, in the ground, but it's going to be leaps and bounds better than what it's been probably the last 10 years. So looking for good things from the Browns. Um, the Browns were in the news this week, though, a little bit. Uh, they traded Corey Coleman, a uh, former first-round pick, and uh, to the Bills for a seventh-rounder. I think he just wore out his welcome here, and it was time for him to go. I mean, honestly, it – if it didn't work the last two years, it probably wasn't going to click in year three. I mean, the guy, he was inconsistent with staying on the field. He, I mean, they, oh, granted, I think they were some freak injuries. I mean, hit, getting your hand, I think it was his hand broken twice or something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. A couple of hand injuries. Yeah. And so, I mean, that can stunt a rookie's growth, but apparently, you know, um, he, like you said, he's wearing out his welcome personality-wise, he just didn't fit where we wanted to go with this team. A lot of what I was hearing is he was very much wanting to party. Um, he was out and wanted to have strippers all around him and stuff like that. And I'm, I'm, I'm not – don't get me wrong. I, I'm not against strippers and stuff like that. But when you have guys like Josh Gordon and Antonio Callaway on your team who are trying to um, battle their own problems – a guy like Corey Coleman just doesn't fit the culture that you want to build on a team. And in the end, he's he's going to be a casualty because he was a pick of the previous regimen, which almost always happens when you get a new regimen. They, they want their own guys in there. Yeah, and he's – yeah, like you said, his play was inconsistent. And to match that with his off-the-field um, 
reports that he was, you know, the, he loved the nightlife, loved, you know, hanging out, partying, and doing whatever. Um, that just didn't match. And, well, I think we were finding out John Dorsey's a football guy. He's going to build a – he wants to build a competitive team, wants to build a football team, and you're either going to toe the line. And, I mean, you can't have a guy like Josh Gordon who's trying to stay the straight and narrow, and that's such a tough thing for a guy like that with the problems he has, and to have a guy like Corey Coleman with him to influence him because that would just be a bad thing all around. So getting rid of him probably helps. I mean, it didn't kill us. It didn't hurt us offensively, and it probably helps in the long run, Josh Gordon and him staying on the, in the straight and narrow. I mean, what it hurts right now is our wide receiver depth, but um, as long as Richard Higgins continues his improvements that he's shown in training camp and what he's shown in this in this game so far, I don't think we'll have a problem there. And if Antonio Callaway can live up to the talent that he is, where he was a first-round talent drafted in the fourth round because of character issues, I mean, the dude missed – uh, the last year of college football, um, the loss of Corey Coleman um, won't it won't you won't notice it on the field, um, and that's where I think um, not having him could hurt us and not hurt us, you know. And we it just we just need got other guys to step up, and we need Josh Gordon on the field, and I think that's number one in the Browns' priorities. And um, having a guy like Corey Coleman, who loves the nightlife, on the same team as a guy who is trying to recover from an addiction is is just not the right um, recipe for success. Um, and so it's it's a it's a mush of um, things that just. They didn't. They they didn't fit right. Is what it, is what I'm trying to get to. Yeah, um, they don't go together. You can't have one without the other, and you can't have one with the other. And Josh Gordon is immensely more talented than Corey Coleman, so Corey Coleman becomes the uh, sacrifice wide receiver to help out Josh Gordon on his path to recovery. But it's funny you mentioned uh, Antonio Callaway because he was also in the news this week. Uh, apparently, he got pulled over about 3 o'clock in the morning with uh, some weed in his car. So, that's not a good look for him right after we traded Corey Coleman and uh, Callaway got elevated in his uh, depth chart status. Um, yeah, um, everything from what I'm reading on that situation is he was – he had his – he hadn't been – hadn't been, had his car um, with him, um, and he had had it shipped from Florida – um, and just recently, so, um, and saying that there was, uh, weed in it before he got the car. So, um, I'm inclined to believe him, but also inclined to not believe him because anybody can make up that excuse. But so far, all the reports seem to be checking out. Um, a guy like, a, a Browns insider, Nathan Zagora was tweeting that the team seems to, be all reports from the team seem to be that they believe his story and um, all the reports coming from the NFL seem to be like his story is in check. Um, he did also mention that there were parts of guns in the car, um, but there wasn't a gun in the car and he was cooperative with the co- with the officer. And so um, thankfully, a, a, a si- I think Callaway can learn from this situation. He probably shouldn't be out at 3 a.m. in the morning. Yeah. A guy with his track record probably needs to uh, 
shut it down by midnight and get home and get ready for the next day. But, um, no, I, I agree with you. I mean, I don't, the guy's pass is what it is. But, you know, as far as I'm concerned in Cleveland, he's got a clean slate. So, you know, this is a one-time incident. He just got the car back. So, if this happens, to be, if this is the truth, that's good. Going forward, hopefully nothing else happens. And the guy can become the player we all think he can become. Exactly. And if that happens, as long as – as long as everything is good and we don't have any more incidents from here, and like you said, he becomes a player that we become, well, then we just got to steal in the fourth round. And Cor- people are going to be saying Corey Coleman who? And honestly, I think people are already saying Corey Coleman who. Um, but anyways, Antonio Callaway is a massive talent, and if we can keep him on the straight and narrow, he's a huge steal for the Browns. Oh, I agree 100%. I was excited on draft day when we picked him up. I mean, every highlight you see from – 2016 Florida teams is Antonio Callaway all over the place. And so, I mean, there's a guy who played in the SEC, had to sit out a year. But, I mean, here's a guy we got in the fourth round for fourth round money. And, you know, great, great deal. Whether if he works out, it's going to be awesome. If he doesn't, it was it was a fourth round pick. But, I mean, if he works out and can be that slot guy, be the punt returner, be maybe a kick returner, what have you, I mean, the guy's just got immense talent. He's got elite speed. He can be a, a top-notch uh, receiver and punt return force. No, oh, and you said it, too, how the last time this guy played was in 2016. And, you know, I was – excuse me. I was cruising Twitter um, before we got on here, and, you know, I was seeing stuff, you know, oh, Antonio Callaway sucks. And, you know, what? people got to pump the brakes on that stuff. I mean, because you got to remember, this kid has not played football – for competitive football for a year and now that he's playing competitive football it's at a whole it's at the professional level where everyone is an absolute athlete so you gotta give him time to get adjusted to the speed of the game on top of him not already having played a whole an entire year yeah for sure i mean yeah he's got to get to the i like that he's getting a lot of time in these preseason games which is going to help him he looks like he's had two catches already in the second half uh, for 33 yards, which is nice. Um, get, get him the ball. I think he can be special with the ball. Um, but another, moving on to the next topic, did you check, did you catch the first episode? And I think everybody was in Northeast Ohio at least was excited to see the first episode of Hard Knocks with the Browns. I mean, it was a pretty eye-opening experience uh, for what everybody goes through. Because you see other teams – you watch Hard Knocks before, and it was the Buccaneers or the Rams or what have you, or the Texans, and it was somebody else's team. But this is our team and our town, and I mean, watching them on Hard Knocks was pretty, pretty exciting, and especially the Jarvis Landry speech. Oh my God, the Jarvis Landry speech had me pumped. He was—I I have to think that that part of that speech was directed at Corey Coleman, and uh, part of that reason is probably why Corey Coleman is not here anymore, because I do believe. I mean, because obviously the speech happened before the trade. So, um, Jarvis, he's not what, – what it says to me is Jarvis Landry, it wants nothing more to – wants nothing more – wants to do nothing more than win. That's all he wants to do is he wants to win. He wants to get the bad culture out of the locker room. He wants to get the old bad habits out of the locker room. And he started it off right with that speech. And in my eyes, if he, if he keeps up that kind of leadership and we produce at what – we um, what we have the potential to produce that Jarvis Landry could be looking at a statue in Cleveland. 
Yeah, I mean, that was great to see um, him stand up and be like, you know, if you're, if you're in or out, you can't be sitting out. I mean, Hugh likes to give the veterans days off. Jarvis Landry wouldn't take it. Um, I think Jarvis is going to be great for not only the receiver room, for the young guys in the receiver room, but also for the entire offense in itself. Because we lost a great leader, a great Cleveland guy, a great leader in Joe Thomas over the offseason. looks like, you know, just from one episode, one thing, but it looks like Jarvis Sandry is stepping into that role of being that veteran leader who can stand up and call people out, tell them, hey, you, you know, you know, if you're going to stink, stink somewhere else. If you want to be hurt, get out of my room, things like that. I mean, it was fantastic to see him stand up and do that. Yeah, and, you know, it highlighted later in Hard Knocks how he's not really as, um, a vocal guy, and he likes to choose his time when to be vocal. And honestly, the the off from what we were what I was gathering in that first episode of Hard Knocks that day, um, they weren't having a good day offensively. They were dropping a lot of passes. They were – a, a lot of routes were run poorly. I mean, you saw Rashard Higgins slip on one of his routes, and he called himself out on it. But another thing like that is the other receivers seem to be responding like that. Guys like Rashard Higgins, who haven't hasn't really had a veteran presence like that to call him out, um, are having to step their game up. Um, and when you have a guy like that in the locker room um, pushing other guys to step your game up, that just that tells me that this team is finally going to live up to the expectations we have always had for them. Um, I think this year it's at at the least six wins, at the most eight wins. Yeah, I think a guy like Jarvis Andrews is probably going to go down as one of the best free agent pickups we've ever had as a as a Cleveland Browns organization. I mean, the guy we you see it, he loves being in Cleveland. He loves being in Cleveland. He signed a contract extension. Um, he moved up here, living you know, living in Columbia Station, right outside of Berea. So the guy's invested in the, in being a Cleveland Brown, wants to be part of the organization, wants to lead the organization. And I mean, he's just just from that episode, it looks like he's going to be everything we wanted to wanted when we signed him. Um, another thing I took from the episode was a little bit of butting heads, maybe a little friction in the room between Todd Haley and Hugh Jackson. Yeah. Um, and I, I saw that too. Um, and that was, I saw, did, I don't know if you saw this, but did you see um, somebody asked Joe Thomas what he thought about that situation? And Joe Thomas tweeted something of the sort, you know, Oh, it's just typical, you know, um, assistant coaches are always, as he put it, bitching about how some of their players aren't getting on the season. And then, Hugh had to, you know, set them straight and, you know, like we, if these guys don't play, um, if, if we push them too hard that we won't have them on the field. And, you know, I kind of agree with that notion because a guy like Duke, who's had um, issues with hamstrings in the past, um, you know, we need him on the field and he can't help us if he's not on the field. So granted, yeah, it's annoying for as a coaching staff to not have your guys on the field. But like you said, he's got to be the one. He's got to watch everything, and he, and that's what he's doing. Um, whereas these guys, as assistant coaches, they're only watching the spot that they're in charge of. And I think Todd Haley knows that too, um, him prior being a head coach. But I also think like his um, having a personality like that, who him, who's not afraid to push back against you, 
is also going to help Hugh become a better head coach. I totally agree. I was, um, I mean, I'm not saying that in a negative way. I think I, it's great because Hugh is, can be the head coach, can be the CEO type guy. Whereas he's got Haley, who's a veteran, Greg Williams, who's a veteran, and they can, you know, and they, they have enough cachet in the league where they can be like, hey, what if we do this? What if we do that? But ultimately, ultimately, Hugh comes off in the media and in stuff as like a softer guy, as a, you know, not as vocal, like not hard guys. I was actually excited to see Hugh stand up for himself. This is why we're doing it because I'm the guy. This is my team. You know, if we get beat or whatever, it's my name in the paper. It's not yours. So I, I was excited to see Haley push back on something. And I was also excited to see Hugh Jackson stand up for what he believed in. And this is the way we're going to do it. And if I'm going down, this is we're going to go down my way. And I think the hire of Todd Haley is going to be something that at the end of the season – we look back whether and we're successful is we're going to look back as that's one of the biggest offseason signings we had. Agreed. And you know what, how you were saying how um, you were happy to see um, Hugh Jackson push back. Um, uh, he had a lot going on, frankly, that that day with the passing of his mother two weeks after the passing of his brother. So, you know, it's it was hard to watch those moments where he was breaking down, but it was also nice to see how people kind of rallied around him. But it also was nice to see how he was still able to focus on his job despite all of that going around him. And that makes me think that maybe that maybe keeping him was a good decision, whereas many people were um, were criticizing it because he's only won one game over the last few years, which it's easy to criticize somebody when they've had the youngest team over the last few years and they haven't and they've only won one game. It's easy to criticize people where it's people is when they get the right people around him and I think we have the right group of people around him yes I think we have guys he trusts guys he's going to let do their jobs and uh, and let him be the head coach um, another thing I took from that episode was and a guy a lot of people forget about but he's a really he's a really good player for us um, is Carl Nassib I mean Carl Nassib just seems like a good a genuinely good guy I mean he was help, trying to help out some of the younger players with you know, if you put this money away and put this money away for this long, it'll be turned into, you know, he's giving like a financial lesson, which a lot of young guys, you know, Baker Mayfield signing bonus, he got a check for $14.2 million. And I mean, after he signed this contract, so I mean, that's a lot of money for a guy to get, you know, at one sitting and you don't have any idea what to do with it, but you know, just watching them like go through the stuff and help out the younger guys, be a team leader. I think that's one thing this team has now is, four or five, six team leaders that younger guys, the younger guys on the team can look up to. Yeah. And you know what? You, you talk about Nassib. I mean, he's actually technically still one of the younger guys. I mean, but he, he was a four, a, a four or five year college player. So he's not technically that young. I mean, he kind of came in as a veteran, but um, I liked how they showed him, um, how they showed him teaching the young guys about, uh, managing your finances and stuff like that. And I think that's really cool. And I think that he can be a solid rotational defensive lineman. Um, another thing you were saying about um, Baker Mayfield with the $14 million signing bonus. Um, did you see uh, what the uh, quarterbacks made him, made him get? Yeah, the RV, that's pretty cool. I thought that, I thought that was hilarious because he was all like, you know, most – most people make the rookies buy them dinner and stuff like that. Not me. I had to buy an RV. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. They make a uh, 
make poor Brogan Roback, the four stringer, who probably won't be on the team by the end of the preseason, um, stock up all their snacks, though. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he'll he'll probably end up on the practice squad. And, and you say poor bro, but man, Drew Stanton was getting on him about those snacks. He was talking about him how this is like a this is like a college dorm room. He's like, all right, I'll, I'll do better and stuff like that. Yeah. So. It, it it's funny, and I like how the quarterbacks are all coming together like that, and it shows that these guys that like Tyron and Drew that they're going to teach Baker how to be a professional, and I really enjoyed seeing that. Yeah, I think uh, I think one of the key guys who probably won't play it down this year, but is going to be one of the key guys in that quarterback room is going to be Drew Stanton because as Tyrod's getting ready for the game, Drew Stanton is a proven veteran will be able to sit there with Baker Mayfield, hold his hand through, you know, preparing for games. Whereas Tyrod's preparing himself to start, Drew can prepare, help Baker prepare as a starter also, and maybe help him through. So the next year, when it's his turn, he'll be he'll be ready to go, ready to roll, and he'll already be right in there. So I think Drew Stanton's going to be one of the big signings of the offseason that nobody's going to talk about. But it's almost like having another quarterback coach to hold the backup's hand through the first round pick hold his hand through preparing every week and showing him what it takes to become a professional, to prepare like a professional and become a pro, become a good, really good pro. Oh, agreed. And it's a breath of fresh air too, to know that um, Baker Mayfield isn't just settling for being um, a backup that he wants to be the starter, but he's, you know, he's going to work in whatever role he's in, but he's not going to stop working. Um, And with a guy like Drew, I think, pushing him to be better every day. I got like Tyrod who's going to push him um, to be better every day if he wants to um, get, be a starting quarterback because um, right now Tyrod's a starter, you know. It's just going to make Baker that much of a better player. Um, I just I, I saw a lot of things that I liked in that first episode of Hard Knocks. Yeah, it, was, it gets me excited for the next one. Um, it's just different watching because I've watched them, you know, when they're in Tampa Bay. L.A., Houston, wherever else they were at. But it's just something different when it's, you know, 20 minutes down the road. It's your own. It's your team that you follow. You follow all these guys. And it's nice to see. Like, I had no idea Christian Kirksey could play the drums. But it's nice to see the, the personal side of these guys. Because they really become part of, your, part of your community and part of the guys who you look up to and, you know, cheer on in the stadium. And it's nice to know that we have some good guys on this team. Well, and you and and you, what you really get to see is you get to see how much these guys actually do love the community that they're in, and I see it on Twitter a lot because I follow Christian Kirksey, and you mentioned him. Dude loves Cleveland, and all he wants to do is win. And I loved the scene where he got up and he stood up in front of everybody, and he told him to get out a piece of paper and write down there why they play football and to post that up above their head or whatever. So when they get up every day, that's the first thing that you see, why they're playing football to remind. I mean, I love stuff like that. He's a young guy, but he's already already proven that he is a veteran leader on this team. Yeah, I think that's one thing. good thing about this team is we have veteran leaders on this team, but the veteran leaders aren't even that old. Like Kirksey, I think this is like his fourth or fifth year in the league, but he's the veteran leader on the team because we have a lot a good mixture of young guys in mid – mid to second contract guys. Um, so it's we have a good mixture of guys, and our veteran leaders aren't really – like Tyrod's only 29 years old. You know, Kirksey's been in the league four or five years. Landry really hadn't been in the league that long. So, um, you know, it's 
guys, our veteran leaders aren't going to leave in two years. They're going to be here for a little while. So it's, we have a good mix in this team, and um, it's going to be it's going to be good for years to come, I believe. Oh yeah, and oh, quick update: uh, Baker Mayfield just slung a touchdown pass to Antonio Callaway. Browns up twenty to ten now, with uh, thirteen thirty seven left in the fourth quarter. I so. just saw that. Yep. How about um, that rookie to rookie baby? Antonio Callaway three catches, eighty seven yards, is averaging twenty nine yards a catch. That's what I. That's what. I mean, that's what he can bring. That's what he can bring to the team. He's a Percy Harvin type. He's a guy who can catch the ball and go 70 with it, you know, but he only needs to touch it three or four times to make an impact and score a touchdown from, you know, 60 yards away. Instant touch to the house. That's right. Well, the Browns, I'm excited to see the Browns this, this year. They're presently, as you said, they're winning 20 to 10 over the Giants in the first preseason game. Um, their next preseason game is the Bills next Friday. Um, so then your next Hard Knocks episode is next Tuesday. So the Browns are going to be in the news every day, pretty much every day from here on out. But I'm um, excited to see them when they get the Steelers on September 9th at home to open the 2018 season. And uh, it's going to be pretty – it's going to be exciting around Cleveland because at that time the Browns will be opening up. The Tribe will be in their playoff run. So – Look out, Cleveland, but it's going to be an exciting, exciting fall around here in 2018. Here we go, Brownies.